I drew the short straw this week uh, when it comes to preaching. Uh, so, like I said, you know, we've been scripting all this out and whatnot. Uh, we're going to continue our, our Tender Commandments series. And um, I have absolutely, and I'm just going to be honest with you, I've absolutely hated this series. I've hated every talk. I've hated every study I've had to do on it. I've hated reading about it. Because I've realized that I have broken every commandment of God that we've preached on, that I'm speaking about today, or that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. But the great thing I'm excited about is the, the grace of God that allows us to be free. So uh, let, me, let me just say this. Um, today's kind of a PG-13 message. And, and I really do mean that. I mean, I could, I can dumb it down, but I, I can't do that. So, you know, if you've got a kid in here, you're like, oh my gosh, we're going to talk about adultery today. And we're talking about uh, a few other elements of that. So I just, moms, dads, I just want you to know that. So don't send me an email. Okay. Uh, Exodus chapter 20 verse uh, 14 says this. You must not commit adultery. Now, I said this is a PG-13 message. I'm going to make this the shortest sermon in the history of sermondom. Okay, I'm going to make it real short and sweet. You ready? And, and, okay. Whenever I pause, I edit, by the way. Okay, so you just know I'm going to edit a lot today. Men. Keep your private part in your pants. I'm not even going to go there. I'm serious. It's simple sermon. Fast sermon. Listen quick. Men, put it away. Keep it there. Okay? Ladies, keep this stuff covered up. Okay? And my mama always said, knees together. Knees together. Men, I told you it's PG-13. I can go NC-17 in a hurry. <laughs> Men, the only person you should have sex with is with your wife. Amen. Outstanding, unmarried. Yeah. <laughs> Women, the only person you should have sex with is your husband. Okay? Single people, don't have sex. What? <laughs> don't have sex. Okay? Voila. Don't commit adultery. We've just obeyed. It's pretty simple, right? Right? Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for being here today. <laughs> It's great having you. I'm going to have the band come out. Uh, we're going to sing uh, Search My Heart. And thanks for hanging out with us today. I really appreciate it. Hey, go ahead and stand with us as we continue to worship God this morning. Wouldn't it be nice? 
sit down. See, some of, some of you didn't even go get up. You're like, oh, it's a break, Legion. I'm sorry. No, not, not today. I will do that one time. We'll have a fun with that. Simple sermon. They'll be all hurt about it. Just leave. Simple. But it's not. See, you, you, you and I both know it's not that easy. It's just not. It, it would be easy if, if all that there was to it is men, I said it, right? Ladies, needs to get, the only person you have sex with, husband, wife, but, 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 done. We're done, great. We're singing to Jesus, we're eating pot roast. But it's not that easy. See, I... I've been thinking about this message for weeks. And I was still up till 1.30 this morning making sure that I said it just right once so I didn't get fired. And I'm just kidding about that. Don't send me an email about that either. But, but also to try to communicate clearly so, so we have a broader understanding of, of, of what this deal is. Okay? Um... So the next few minutes are not going to be easy for you. So I just want you to prepare for your, you know. I always had uh, somebody tell me, listen, whenever you're going to preach, you're going to step on people's toes, don't tell them. Well, I'm telling you. Because I'm going to challenge you a little bit today, I think. Okay? So let me, let me start by saying this. Exodus 20:14 says, you must not commit adultery. Simple, clear-cut, understood. Let me tell you, though, that the background, the historical context, the, the, the biblical Old Testament understanding of what adultery was. Okay? And I think it's important for us to know that because we're going to look at another piece here in a second. Okay? Uh, first, ladies, I don't mean this offensive. It's just truth. Okay? Everything I'm going to say from here on out, I don't mean anything offensive. It's just truth. Okay? The first century world, Old Testament, you were a piece of property. Women were bought, sold, and traded. You were, uh, and again, I, I don't want to, there's no better than, than a dog or a piece of land or a car today. They were just swapped, bought, traded, sold, whatever, taken whenever they were wanted, whatever. That's just the way it was. It was a very patriarchal society, and that's, that's the understanding we have to read this text from. Okay? Now, with that understanding, adultery in the Old Testament was all about the type of woman who was having sex. Okay? It had nothing to do with the man. This is the deal. Uh, it referred to, adultery in the Old Testament referred specifically to a married woman or a betrothed woman, an engaged woman, having sexual relations with somebody other than their husband. Okay? It was not about the man. A married man could have sex with an unmarried and unbetrothed woman, okay? And they were just considered immoral. It was not adultery. It was just immoral. An unmarried woman could have sex with an unmarried man, and then that's just fornication. It was just illicit sex. That's the definition of fornication. Now, an unmarried woman could have sex with a married man, with me, and it was just an affair. But... If a married woman had sex with anyone other than her husband, it was considered adultery, and the woman and the man were both subject to the death penalty. 
they were to be stoned. That was the law. Okay? So, Old Testament understanding, ladies, it hinged upon you. If you're unmarried, you're sleeping around. It's just fornication, illicit sex, an affair maybe. Married women, guys, you could do whatever you wanted. Thank you for nobody going, woohoo, I appreciate that, right? Because guys, you could do whatever you wanted. Didn't matter. Unless she was married and not to you. Okay? Now, today, it's obviously very similar. So, so let's look at this. Uh, the, in the World English Dictionary, the word adultery means voluntary sexual intercourse between a man, a married man or a woman and a partner other than the legal spouse. Okay? So if you're married, either one of you now, today, and you're having sex outside your marriage, that's adultery by definition. Okay? Now, I said the F word a minute ago, fornication. I told you it's PG-13. Okay? Fornication is simply voluntary sexual intercourse outside of marriage. Doesn't matter who it's with. Okay? Uh, two persons of the opposite sex, whether they're both unmarried, not unmarried, doesn't matter. You with me? Okay. That's our understanding of adultery, correct? Oh my, this is going to be tough. Is that our understanding of adultery, yes or no? Thank you, sweet Jesus. Awesome. The problem is, there's this guy named Jesus that messes our understanding up. If that was it, the vast majority of us could live by it, no problem, wouldn't think about it. I don't need this message, I'm going to go home. The problem is a guy named Jesus. Matthew chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, take them, we're going to look there for a little bit. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 says this. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. You have heard the command that says... Now the title of today's message is, You have heard it said. You have heard it said that you must not commit adultery. Jesus reinforces the Old Testament. He's talking to the scribes, Pharisees people. He reinforces the Old Testament understanding. You with me? And then he says one of my favorite three-letter words in all the Bible. But, you've heard it said, you must not commit adultery, but I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You see, that changes things. I don't know if I said this or not, but I've been thinking about this for weeks. And I didn't get done until about 1.30 this morning. And I'm still not sure if it's right. Because see, in that one passage, Jesus not only reaffirms what the Old Testament says, but then he takes it and he turns it back to the man. Doesn't say anything about the woman, right? He says, man, if you look upon another woman with lust, in your, with lust, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. That changes the biblical understanding. See, Jesus reaffirms the notion that we're not supposed to have sex outside of marriage. Period. Then he takes it a step further and makes it a heart issue. And he mentions the L word. Lust. The sin of the flesh. Bruce Larson tells of an old priest who was asked by a young man. The young man comes to him and says, Father... When will I cease to be bothered by the sins of the flesh? And the old priest looked at him and he replied, Son, I wouldn't trust myself until I'd been dead three or four days. <laughs> That's the way it is 
And guys, I'm going to talk to you a lot this morning. Because that's the way it is. Lust is a tough word. Most of us, most of you in this room, have dealt with an issue of lust in your life. And if you haven't, you will. And if you don't believe you have, you need to be honest with yourself. Because see, it is not only lust for the opposite sex. Maybe that you've had a lust for power. Maybe you've had a lust for acceptance. Maybe you've had a lust for belongings. Maybe, fill in the blank. But today we're really talking about and focusing on this, the, the definition of lust as an intense sexual desire or appetite. That word appetite. Think about that. See, we all currently struggle with or have struggled with or will struggle with it. And one thing I want you to hear today is you're not alone. You're not some person out there all by yourself. You're not alone. I think one preacher hit it on the head when he said this. He said, it's surprising to find out that most of us are just like the rest of us. We all have struggles. And I know it's difficult for people to admit that they struggle with it. Very difficult. Sometimes we think nobody understands the struggles I've got. Nobody, nobody gets the way that I, I am. They, they just don't understand my struggles. A great author by the name of Charles Mylander wrote this. He said, and this may be the way we think. Am I the only one who failed miserably in combating lust while succeeding or seeming to succeed in most every other area of my Christian life? Do others struggle too? The answer to that is yes. I mean, it's, it's pretty plain from the Matthew text that God does not approve of our lustful thoughts. And even though Jesus says lust is sinful, I really think today we don't think about it as sin. I think it's more like a, a national pastime. Because it's so much in our face. There's, there's half naked, full naked, partially naked, or perceived to be naked people and objects and different things in our faces constantly. A few examples. Amber Crombie and Fitch. Did you know Carl's Jr. sells hamburgers with Paris Hilton washing a car? Don't get the correlation. Axe body products. <laughs> Even smart water with Jennifer Aniston. See, sexually explicit images are everywhere. True story. Yesterday, I go to the mailbox. I open it up. And what was the thing laying right on top of my mail? Say it. Victor Victoria's Secret. You're on the same mailing list I am, apparently. <laughs> my wife is. Victoria's Secret. Now, I can honestly tell you, I am thankful to Jesus that I got the mail that day. And not my 15-year-old son or my 12-year-old daughter. 
Because see, it's, it's so pervasive we don't even think about it. And that's what I believe to be American soft porn. Amicrami Fitch, and if you have a full naked lady on the cover of anything and nothing but a G-string, doesn't leave much of the imagination. So it's, that's American soft porn. And what that does is it creates lustful desires in men and creates self-image complexes in women. Because i got to look that way for a man to love me. Let me just tell you, you can't look that way, ladies. Because that involves Photoshop and paint. They airbrush them to make them look like that. So get it out of your head. You can't do it. Or then you have to either starve yourself, come out and wreck something crazy. Right? See, I'll, I'll get to pornography here in a minute. You think, oh, he's not going to... Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. See, in reality, many of us are never going to be tempted to commit the act, the physical act of adultery. Many of us will never cross that threshold. Many of us will never cross that line because we know someplace inside of us, that's just a little too far. But for the rest of us, the some may cross it and have. And know that you're forgiven, and I'll talk about that in a minute too. For most of us, the battleground is in our mind. See, the greatest temptations we face is this invitation to participate with our minds in this world of virtual reality where we don't think we're actually cheating on our spouses. Instead, we're lured to do it with our hearts. See, the religious leaders of Jesus' day felt that as long as they didn't act out the deed, and some people today do, if they didn't actually act it out, then they're innocent before God. I'm I'm clear, it's all good. But what does Jesus say? He says this, it's not enough to act right sexually, but we have to think right too. Because when you think right, you begin to act right. See, there's this steady stream of stuff. Uh, One of the statistics I think I read said, uh, uh, on television... Uh, of all the interactions between couples on television that are either having sex or going to, or they kind of allude that to you, 89% of it is between people who are not married. So it's okay in society. It's okay. Music, internet, commercials, print ads, constantly calling us to look lustfully. Now I'm going to tell you, there is a million directions I could go with today. A million different things. I I could turn this into a six-month preach. And it's only going to be about two hours, so we're going to be fine. (laughs) Kidding, first service got out just fine. But I I really do, I want to try to keep it fairly simple as best I can to help us understand what what this kind of lust, what it can do, kind of what it looks like, and and then ways to get out of the gig, okay? Um, So go ahead and and take your your notes out, and we're going to look... Uh, at, the, at some of the fill-ins. Because the first thing, the, there's three things, there's 3,000 things you need to know about it, but today, there's three things that I want you to understand about lust, okay? And, and this is the fill-ins uh, on your little ditty, okay? And it's going to be up on the screen. It can take over your heart. See, lust can take over your heart. 
Jesus said, looking at a person lustfully is adultery in your heart. If your eyes fall upon someone and you lust after them, you have committed adultery. More than likely, the majority of us have been there. See, just as the religious leaders then had this kind of narrow view of, listen, adultery is only if you don't have sex with somebody other than your spouse. That's the only way of adultery is. They also had this broad definition of sexual purity that said, if you just have intercourse with your spouse, then you're sexually pure. Doesn't matter what goes on up here. It's only in the actions. But see, Jesus says that's just surface stuff. That's just out here stuff. It really becomes what's in here. See, Eastman's Bible Dictionary, which is the kind of just one of the old staples of Bible dictionarydom, okay? It says, lust is sinful longing. It's the inward sin which leads to the falling away from God. Lust is the original, uh, the origin of sin, I'm sorry, has its place in the heart. Did you hear that? The origin of sin has its place in the heart, not of necessity, but because it is the center of all moral forces and impulses and of spiritual activity. You see, God is pro-sex. He's all for it. He gave us a desire to have it. He wants those who are married to enjoy it as a gift. It's a good thing. It's a spiritual thing. You not only physically connect with the other person, but there's a soul connection as well. Jesus, uh, God looked at, at a couple of people in the Old Testament, they Adam and Eve, and he says, go forth and what? Multiply. They couldn't make them out of dirt and poof, there they go. What do they have to do? Sex. Uh, it's just, that's just the way it goes. See, the problem is that that the, the, the problem with lust is, is whenever we take this God-given right and this holy thing and, and we begin to misuse it. See, Jesus isn't condemning sexual desire and he's not heaping guilt on, uh, on seeing attractive people. So I think a great question is, when do we cross the line between looking and lusting? When is a look more than just a look? Because we may be sitting someplace or doing whatever and be like, oh, they're really attractive. And that's it. Is that a sin? I don't think, I don't think so. But if that person's walking by and you're like, oh, they're attractive. You give them the look back. Or if they're walking by and you're like, Oh, they're true. Oh, oh, man. What I could do with that. See, you, you cross the line. Because what, what has happened is, is that, that you've moved it from just a, a thing that's just kind of flashing in front of you. Okay, I'm disregarding that to something you're going to stay with. You see, Jesus says, if you look at a woman with lust, you've committed the sin of adultery. The word that we translate as look does not mean glance. It doesn't mean, oh, you're very attractive, and then we're done. It is a continued action. Like looking. 
It denotes purpose. It's, it's not this casual thought that pops into our mind and then we push it out. It, it describes a person who allows that initial thought to flourish and begin to take root and spurns us either to mental or physical action. See, looking at a woman lustfully does not cause a man to commit adultery in his thoughts. Did you hear me? And ladies, I, I know I'm talking to the guys, but y'all need to pay attention to this too because the, the fastest growing segment uh, in the porn industry is targeting women. Looking lustfully at a, a man or woman does not cause either one to commit adultery in your thoughts. You've already committed it in your heart. See, it's not the lustful looking that causes the sin in the heart. It's the sin in the heart that causes the lustful looking. Scripture tells us that whatever is in here does what? Comes out here. So it's this expression of the heart that we need to address. Now we can, I'm going to show you just a couple ways to kind of guard the eyes and things, but, but Jesus is not speaking against this, this unexpected and unavoidable exposure to sexual temptation. He's not addressing that. When a man happens to see a woman provocatively dressed, Satan will use that to try to tempt him. Period. That's why I said earlier, shortest sermon in the world, right? Ladies, keep, keep it put away as best you can. But see, there is no sin if temptation is resisted and the gaze is turned elsewhere. Because, you now people may be like, well, yeah. If temptation was sin, Jesus was a sinner. And I'm pretty sure scripture says, he was one without sin. Remember, Satan took him up and said, hey, all this can be yours. All you got to do is bow down. And Jesus is like, eh, I don't think so. Get. Uh, I see it. I'm not acting upon it. I'm done with it. Get out of here. I'm not going to allow my gaze to be fixed on what it is that you're tempting me with. You brought it to me. Oh, there it is. Uh, Cha-ching, delete. I'm done. He turned away from that temptation. See, if you're not careful and aware of this power of lust, and you begin to don't really think about it and aren't observant about it, it'll take over your heart. I know this is easy stuff. This is a really uplifting, great message, right? Number two. Oh, man. Um, number two, it's impossible to satisfy. The most deceptive aspect of love, lust is that the more you try to satisfy it, the more intense it becomes. The more you feed it, the greater your hunger and gratification desire is. It's like a gremlin. You keep feeding that sucker, it's just going to keep growing and growing and getting out of control and multiply... Have you ever been dehydrated? Anybody ever been dehydrated? Really, really, really thirsty? Whenever you drink the water, or the Gatorade, or the tea, whatever it is, and you drink it, and you drink it, and you drink it, and all of a sudden your stomach is full, and you're like, I can't drink another drink, but your tongue is still dry, and you crave more because the satisfaction is not there, you, you haven't fulfilled that desire, that's like lust. Your belly gets full, you want to throw up, You're, you just get bloated, and you, you can't take in anymore, but you've got to take in more because you're not being satisfied, so you 
It's an appetite. It's like a drug. You just can't. I've worked so many people can't get enough. One thing leads to another, and it continues to ramp up. Mike Bro says it this way. He says, I learned quickly. Lust, just like physical sex, points in only one direction. You cannot go back to a lower level and stay satisfied. Always you want more. Maybe a magazine excites, a movie thrills, a live show really makes the blood run. Lust does not satisfy, it only stirs up. It's like being in an elevator with no down button. See, that's why pornography is so very dangerous. What you see is never enough. One thing leads to another and goes on and on and on. 2006, bet you didn't know this. The porn industry is larger than the revenues of these top technological companies. Okay, ready? Microsoft, Google, Amazon, eBay, Yahoo, Netflix, Earthlink, and Apple combined. 2006, five-year-old data. Okay, that's the most recent I could find in, in my study. $97.06 billion, with a B, dollar industry. But we don't have a problem with lust. We don't struggle with it. And guess what? America, we're not even the worst. China, $27.4 billion. South Korea, $25.7 billion. Japan, $19.9 billion. USA, $13.3. Woohoo! We don't suck nearly as bad as they do. You know, the, the next country below us, Australia. Two billion. Oh, yay for Australia. No. <laughs> we got a problem. See, pornography is dangerous because it always leaves you wanting more. It never delivers what it promises. See, Satan is a great deceiver and he thinks, well, he gives us what we think we crave only to leave us emotionally and spiritually unfulfilled. Lust cannot be satisfied. Can't. A lot of us have tried. Can't. Next thing you need to know about it, this is kind of the duh. Its outcome is disastrous. Uh, the, the, the unrestrained, unrelented outcome is disastrous. See, lust is an overmastering desire. It just, for something that is not ours. Jesus tells us that if we allow our look to be driven by this overmastering desire, then we have crossed the line. It is so important. There are how many commandments that we've been looking at? Ten. Two of them deal with this issue. Really, preacher? Thou shalt not commit adultery. 
And then finally the last one, Exodus chapter 20 verse 17 says this. You must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not lust after it. Same, one of the same kind of derivative words. Have this desire for something that's not yours. You must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife. Male or female servants. Your neighbor's ox or your neighbor's donkey. Or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. It's kind of a big deal in my opinion. If two out of ten commandments deal with. With similar issues. Scripture's full of it. There's, there's a guy in the Old Testament that was a man after God's very own heart. His name was David. And in 2 Samuel chapter 11, something similar, this, this kind of happened. He's a king. He lives in the highest place on the highest hill in the entire city. And he can see the whole city. And it's late at night. He's out for a, a stroll out on his balcony. And he looks over and he goes, Oh, naked lady taking a bath. And then he goes back in and lays down and goes to sleep, right? No. He goes, Oh, naked lady taking a bath. Hey, Jimmy! What's her name? Go get her for me. See, he crossed the line. A man after God's own heart saw this woman who was taking a bath, cleaning herself, purifying herself from her cycle at night where nobody could see her except the king. So Jimmy, I don't know what the guy's name was. I just think that's a funny name. Jimmy goes and gets her, brings her back to the palace. King David does what? Has sex with her. Now I'm not even going to go here, but I can't imagine her going, Oh, sure, king, I'm married to this guy, but I'll give it up for you, no problem. Can't imagine that happening, but that's another sermon, okay? So what happens? She gets pregnant. He sends her, well, he doesn't know it yet, he sends her home. Hey, I'm done with you, I'm sending you home. She comes to him and says, uh, We got a problem. Imagine that, having that conversation. We got a problem. David's like, okay, I can fix this, I'm king. Hey, send for, or, uh, your, you know, send for uh, her husband. He looks at him and says, listen, you need to go back home. I'm giving you a little bit of a break here. Go have sex with your wife. You guys talk about it. You guys have a good time. The guy looks at him and says, king, I cannot have a relationship with my wife because you've given me a task and I've got to stay focused on my task and that's leading the army that you have given me the opportunity to lead and fight for. So I'm going to sleep outside my house so I'm not tempted to lose focus. David's like, Crack! what am I going to do with this? Sends a note to one of the other leaders. Put the guy on the front line so he might die. What happens? Gets killed. And he takes Bathsheba's his wife and everything's all hunky-dory, right? No. The kid that she gave birth to dies as well. You see, I don't think any of us have taken it that far. But if a man 
after God's own heart could what makes us think we can't. That's how dangerous it is. And we just kind of at times blow it off. Now having said that, see, I mean, this is, this is not easy, is it? This is tough. You think you got it bad, I got to preach it. I got to wrestle with it. But see, if we act out on those things and, and we have struggled with that and, and we have done something uh, or are doing something or did do or whatever, you have to understand something very, very, very important. You are forgiven and you are loved. Period. Oh, I don't, I don't know about that preacher. See, God sends this guy named Nathan to David. And they have a conversation and David, Nathan kind of calls him out and said, Listen, this is what happened. You... <laughs> you messed up and you know it. Had an affair. Had a man assassinated, basically. Uh, that's, that's big stuff. And then David, in Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 13, says this. Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against God. And Nathan goes, Yep. You have. But the Lord has forgiven you and you will not die for this sin. And so if at any point in your life you've ever wrestled with this or are wrestling with it, you need to understand that you have the opportunity to look at the face of God and said, I have completely screwed up. I need help with this and, and I'm done. I need to be done with it. God Save me, help me, forgive me. He's going to look at you and go, Yep, you have, and you're forgiven. And no matter what, you're loved. And then, yesterday in the reading was, uh, was yesterday before, was uh, John chapter 8. There's a woman who got caught in adultery. Jesus looks at the guys who are condemning her and he says, Hey, y'all without sin, you start stoning her, and then the rest of us will join in. And what did they do? One by one walked away. Because none of them, they all knew they weren't without sin. And so then what does he do to the woman? Hey, great job. You keep it up. You're doing fine. No. He says, listen, if they aren't going to condemn you, I'm not going to condemn you. Now go. Don't do it anymore. And see, and that's the hope that Jesus offers us. He looks and say, you know what, you, you have screwed up. He's looked at me and said, you have screwed up. But you're forgiven and I love you. See, God wants us to have victory. We are on the winning team. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, the outcome's already there. We know the score. Jesus wins. And so he wants to, us to have victory over this. 
So, so there's, again, 3,000 things you need to know about lust and probably 5,000 things you can do to prevent it. But I'm just going to give you three. Let's look at verses 29 and 30. Jesus says this. He just got done saying, listen, you've heard it said don't commit adultery. Don't do it. I say if you lust in your heart, you know, if you see with your eyes, look lustfully, you've already done it. So then he says this in verse 29. So if your eye, even your good eye, I love that. If it's your bad eye, even your good eye causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your strong hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body be thrown into hell. So, uh, Ian's going to bring out the machete. We're just going to take care of you right now, so we're going to be good, right? No, that's not, that's not what he's saying. Okay? Uh, I think there's, there's, there's the first thing that, that we need to be aware of, and one way that we can protect ourselves, is number one, to monitor your eyes. This is the next fill in blank. Monitor your eyes. Jesus says, if your right eye causes you to sin, you see, no, no offense to lefties, if you were a lefty back then, you were wrong. Okay? You were looked down upon, you had to be a righty. Woohoo! Go righties all the way, right? Because the left hand was the defiled hand. Another sermon, another time, but the left hand, they didn't have running toilets and nice toilet paper. That's all i got to say about that. So this is the hand, this is your best hand, this you eat with, blah, 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 blah. So he says, if it's your hand, cut it off. If it's your eye, gouge it out. If heart adultery is the result of eye adultery, you with me? then only, the only way to deal with the problem is to filter your eyes. Monitor them. Matthew 6 says this, verse 22 and 23. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. So if that's one of the ways that lust creeps into our hearts. Like I said earlier, it starts here, but, but this becomes a filter. And Oh, hey, it's, it's okay. I'm going to make it happen. Boom. We need to filter our eyes. Jesus is not calling for mutilation. He's calling for drastic measures. He says, listen, remove the object of lust as far away from you possibly can. It's better to give something up than fall into the pit of hell. When you monitor your eyes, you're able to, to withstand that temptation. If you are aware of what you're looking at, it changes your thought pattern. If we begin to look at someone else as uh, men and women, if we begin to look at them as our brothers and sisters in Christ, or potential brothers and sisters in Christ, it may change the way we look at them. preached a similar message a few years ago and and guy came up to me and he goes, you know, Pastor, you need to say this. He said, a friend of mine always told me this. He goes, you know that girl that you're looking at? That's somebody's daughter. Mine's 12. 
You occur like that, we got a problem, right? We got a big problem. And he told me that, I was like, oh, I need to use that. So whenever you're looking at that woman, that's somebody's daughter. That's somebody's sister. And if it's not, it's a daughter of God. Ladies, that, that man that you walks by and go, Oh my gosh, look at him. <laughs> and he makes your insides just quiver. That's somebody's son. Mine's 15. You look at him like that, we got a problem. Woman or not. See, there's this guy named Job. We all know Job. Had everything. Had it all taken away because God knew he was a righteous man. In Job 31, he, he, he's, he's listened to all these idiot friends that have come along. And he's finally, he's protesting his final bit of innocence. And he says this. He said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust at a young woman. For what has God above chosen for us? What is our inheritance from the Almighty on high? Isn't it calamity for the wicked and misfortune for those who do evil? Doesn't he see everything I do and every step I take? He goes on to say, If I have strayed from this pathway, or if my heart has lusted for what my eyes have seen, or if I am guilty of any other sin, then let someone else eat the crops I've planted. Let them uh, let all that I have planted then be uprooted. Verse 9 in Job 31, he says, If my heart has been seduced by a woman, or if I have lusted for my neighbor's wife, then let my wife belong to another man. Let her sleep with another man. Verse 11 and 12, For lust is a shameful sin, a crime that should be punished. It is a fire that burns all the way to hell. It would, not did, it would wipe out everything I own. See, Job understood. He's made this covenant with his eyes. I'm not going to do it because I've got to monitor myself. I've got to hurry. Next, number two. Eliminate sources of temptation. As I said a minute ago, temptation is not sin. Because Jesus was tempted, he didn't sin. James 1, 14 says, Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, did you hear that? When sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. If you just wander through and don't watch your eyes, and don't eliminate sources of temptation, you are going to die. Again, he's not talking about self-mutilation. I mean, this guy named Origen of Alexandria, he was a, a writer in 325. In response to this passage, because he took it so literally, and couldn't get his mind around what to do, he actually castrated himself. Because he could not get around the fact that I, I'm driven by this. I can't get over it. How about you? I think that's a little extreme. 
See, Jesus wants us to eliminate the sources of temptation that lead us to lust, to deal drastically. For those of you who travel, best you can, don't travel alone. And by the way, if you're a guy, don't travel with the opposite sex. That's stupid. Travel with another guy. If you can't do that, financially, based in your company, whatever, and you struggle with it, and you know as soon as you get there, you're probably going to turn on the boob tube and sit there and kind of watch whatever you can watch, call the hotel and have them remove the TV from your room. They will do it. I guarantee it. And if they won't, don't stay there ever again. If they won't, unplug it, take the remote control downstairs to the front desk and say, don't put this back on my room until I leave. If you are stuck on the internet, have them cut the internet off to that room. Make sure they don't give you the Wi-Fi password so you can log on. I don't care how much email you got to check. Drastic measures. See, there may be people in your life who trigger your lust button. I got an idea. Don't have lunch appointments with them. Don't give yourself the opportunity. Don't linger in the store looking at a video at a, at a, at a magazine rack. Oh, I'm just checking out Popular Mechanics. Ladies, we get it all the time. If you go through Walmart, any place, they're all over right there. Vanity Fair, whatever they are, you got guys. There's half naked women on the cover of almost everything. Ladies, there's these guys who have these airbrushed abs that aren't real, really, right? I mean, they're out there, but come on, seriously. Ladies, read something besides romance novels. Romance novels. So I'm not even going to go there. I got an idea. Don't go to an internet chat room just because you want to meet somebody new. Oh, I just, I'm just talking to friends. So what are you doing later? Okay, I can be there at 8. Don't connect with old lovers on Facebook. Hmm. This is going to sound stupid, but the growing... uh, Don't register at Match.com, married men and women. The growing number of registrations for online dating sites are married people. (laughs) somebody between services came up to me she goes you got to say this next service if you don't want to catch what you're fishing for don't bait the hook (laughs) I even go so far as to not get get in an elevator with the opposite sex I will not if I'm by myself I will not ride in an elevator with a woman at all if they, if they come onto the elevator, we stop at a floor, they come onto the elevator, I get off the elevator. And may, I may be 30 floors up. I get off the elevator and take the stairs because I'm fat and I need to exercise. But I, I, I know I've got to, to safeguard. You've got to do some intense things. Okay, I've got to hurry. Oh my gosh. Uh, if you have that movie channel, call your cable provider and have them take it off. And if you really can't handle it, call them and cancel television. I'm not kidding. (gasps) (sighs) Do you know that our computers are the number one portal for everything? 83% of all internet porn websites are generated from the United States. 
There's a great safeguard of that. We cannot live in today's society basically anymore without computers. And so uh, I'm wearing this t-shirt on purpose. Some of you have been looking at it, I know. It's called triplexchurch.com. Now, if, if, if there's anybody who's remotely struggling with anything that's possible, write this down. Go to xxxchurch.com. There's a program there called X3 Reporting, and, and you can download it. It'll filter and block websites. It'll keep stuff from popping up. It'll keep stuff from, from getting to your computer. And then what it does, it sends a friend an accountability report of what you've surfed the internet for and what you've looked at. So, hey, Jimmy, how you doing? What's been going on? I saw the report. Let's talk. I literally know dozens of men, dozens of men that this has saved their lives. I'm not even talking about saving their marriage. TripleXChurch.com. Next, finally, and that, that leads me to the last thing. You've got to tell somebody you can trust. It's better for you to lose one part of your body, your pride. It's better for you guys to lose your pride than it is your entire body, your marriage, and everything you've worked hard for. Ladies, it's better for you to lose your friends who always chat you up and want you to go do whatever. It's better for you to leave them alone. Remember what Job said, lust is a shameful sin, a crime that should be punished. It's a fire that burns all the way to hell. I cannot tell you over the years the number of phone calls I've received from men and women that said, Pastor Blake, I... I'm really struggling with this. I need some help. And you know what I do? Say, so you're a sinner. You're going to hell. No. That's just, no. Tell you what, I'm here for you. I'm going to help you. Here's some steps. Let's, let's work this out. Let's go. Whatever we need to do. Boom. Ladies, I, I'll direct them. Hey, you need to talk to XYZ, this person. Da, 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 da. You've got to be able to confide in somebody that you're struggling with stuff. See, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm editing. <sighs> See, this may be an issue that you're really wrestling with and really struggling with. You don't want to admit it. You're lying to yourself. You're lying to somebody else. That's fine. But you cannot lie to God. He knows what's going on, and He wants to set you free. Philippians 4.8 says this. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You've got to figure out ways to monitor your eyes, remove temptation, tell people. Guys, Tell your wife. Be honest with her. Tell her you're struggling with something. Ladies, don't take it and punch them in the mouth. You may want to. And they may deserve it. That's probably another sermon too. But understand. Say, so you know what? I, I want, I, I'm here for you. I love you. I'm committed. Let's, let's point in the direction of Jesus. Fastest growing segment of people struggling with this are women. Women, you are not immune. Some stats say 38% of women struggle with it. 
So my, my prayer my prayer is, is that today you, you've been challenged a little bit to think differently and to maybe make some changes. Would you please pray with me? Father God, your word in 1 Corinthians 6.18, Paul writes this. Father, he says, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. And God, your word says that our bodies are your temple. So while we not only sin against us, we sin against you. God, Paul writes time and again through your word to flee, run from, resist, do away with sexual immorality, lust, all those things, God, that make us stumble. So God, my prayer today is that you will search my heart. That you will search our hearts. That you will search our souls. That God, you will reveal some things to us. Some things that we need to do. Let us confide in somebody that we trust and believe in, God. Who can help us. Let us, And if we don't want to talk about it, great. Let us go, men or women, to Triple X Church. Get plugged in, whatever it takes to buffet ourselves from sin and resist the devil. Now, I, I, I want you just, just keep your heads bowed. That's fine. I just want you to hear this. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, You are forgiven. And you are loved beyond comprehension by the creator of all things.